3: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Hello and welcome to Punching Chat, formerly the All Over podcast, Uh, the only rugby podcast or the only rugby quiz show that isn't about rugby and may never be about rugby ever again. Judging by some of the feedback we've had, they just want punch and chat and, and no more rugby. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, we're going to do it again. Uh, Adam's going to host, as usual. We're joined by uh, the Lensman, or not the Lensman anymore. He's not Chinese underscore Lensman. He's Chinese underscore landscaping assistant, which I'm sure we'll have a little bit, hear a little bit more about later. And, Chinese
2: um, underscore sledge person. <laughs>
1: and uh ben's here as well nicest man in in rugby podcasting from cornwall uh specifically crantock hi ben
3: hi mate you're right
1: and we are joined by a guest somebody who expressed an interest in taking part in and chat i think one of our first ever proper listeners who ne- who'd never met us before started listening um and that is dan cure all the way from the midlands Dan, is it
4: all the way from the midlands exactly Evening. Good to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Welcome. Welcome. Whereabouts in the
4: Midlands? That's really generic. Whereabouts? It is, isn't it? Uh, Well, King Swinford, which is near to Stourbridge. Stourbridge. Originally from Worcester.
1: (laughs) Originally from Worcester. In the Malvins.
4: The Malvins. There we
1: go there we go and like i say I, i'm convinced that the people who started listening to us first of all were all people that knew us and, and i've no idea how other people found us really so uh yeah the fact that dan's been listening to us for nigh on four years is uh is a minor miracle really so he deserves every minute of his punching chat appearance
4: now that Rogue is banned yes <laughs>
1: yeah well, now that everything's banned, really. Um, Adam, you're in charge of punch and chat as always. Shall we, uh, should we get going?
0: Yeah, and despite rugby being banned, obviously we'll start with the usual rugby question. How about that? Um, just, just to remind people that this was at one point a rugby podcast. I like the way you've changed your intro, Russ.
1: Uh, it was, it was, just, it was a real last-minute decision. That, that didn't tell? come
0: across. It looked like you'd thought about it for ages.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Question one, then. Um, yeah as i say rugby related we'll start with some shock results and which rugby match from history's result did you really not see coming and well let's start let's start with uh, the landscapeman
2: <laughs>
0: um could
2: you start with someone else because my computer seems to have frozen
0: uh
3: sure <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay. got my notes on <laughs> don't get that on the bbc do you
1: well, you do actually at some at some points during this uh this coronavirus. I've got oh, no, no, don't, don't
3: worry, don't don't worry.
2: Uh, it's just unfrozen. That uh, was great. That was it. a great
1: bit that was a great bit of fill wasn't it? You'd never know. Yeah. You can have some <laughs> yeah. points
2: for that. Um, there you go. <laughs> thanks, man. Um hopefully I'll get some for this because there's only really one result in, in rugby history that I've, you know, been been moved to think, wow, that is from the outset, that is the exact opposite outcome to the one that I thought would happen. And that's uh the one where Ross from Friends plays rugby. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's the first game of rugby ever to start with a scrum. Fact. Only the forwards on the top participate in the team, not the whole scrum. If you look at the scrum, there was possibly 50 people in it. All of them probably changed into salmon pink shirts jeans and brown shoes immediately afterwards um and ross throws himself into the middle but don't write the guy off he's nothing if not a tryer, and he comes out he, he dives into the middle of the scrum comes out the back of it and then cut to about 15 minutes later and has won everyone over with his uh sterling rugby work unfortunately we don't get to see uh Ross running any DSPs or, uh, you know, any other set moves. But I'm sure that he would make a great centre, inside or outside.
0: <laughs> it annoyed me almost as much as when they played NFL on Thanksgiving and just just utter disregard for any rules or no, proper yeah. proper sport. Is that,
1: is that with a generic Eastern European lady?
0: Oh, uh, no, that. that's the one where
2: they play American football on Thanksgiving. The woman from Holland.
3: Have you,
2: have oh, okay. you seen anyway, the Indian Indian movie where they play rugby wrong. in it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, a fun fact from that, sorry, just to finish off the Friends uh, thing, um, if you watch the rest of that episode, there is a, what appears to be, and now I've watched this many times to try and ascertain what the game is, but I, I can't really do it. And the only thing I can think of is an England A tour of either America or Canada. Because it looks like um, Steve Ajomo takes ball into contact. So if you really want to find out, if anyone can work out what game it is, it's definitely England because it's the England shirt, the cotton traders shirt with the red, white, uh, the red and blue bands. Is that when he's up. doing,
1: is that when he's doing his research when he's like watching a game? Yeah. At the television yeah. 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 So uh, like if anyone you... can work that out,
0: any sport that's on in the background on a TV show, like it, it, it always bugs me Um, and you try and work out what it would be or what footage it is. And you you never quite get to the bottom of it. Like why can't they just use actual footage and then it would make sense. Anyway, um, digressing. There's a shock. Russ, um, give us a shock.
1: Uh, Well, this is a shock because after approximately 29 minutes, when England were 30 odd nil up, uh, that, the, you know, you would have thought this was going to be a walk in the park. I'm talking about the 2019 Six Nations game at Twickenham, where after, as I say, after half an hour, tries from Noel, Curry, Launchbury, May, put England almost on an unassailable lead. Um, Just before half-time, Stuart McAnally intercepted Owen Farrell and ran basically the length of the pitch to to score. And then what transpired after halftime was one of the biggest shit shows I've ever seen from a, from an England rugby team. And if it wasn't for George Ford's try in, in sort of added time, as it were, or after the clock had gone red, it would have been a huge embarrassment for England, as it was. Scotland retained the, the Calcutta Cup after winning at Murrayfield the year before. And England left, was still left very much with egg on their faces.
4: You know, that actually annoyed me when he scored at the end. I, I thought they, they should have they should have been locked out the changing rooms and just made to stay on the pitch. It yeah, was poor.
1: They didn't deserve. They didn't deserve the draw. They should have. They should have been forced to lose.
3: It's just about my least favourite rugby match of all time. <laughs> the one this year was much better.
1: D- Doug, the, you were there. The, How did you feel about that?
3: The wind and rain, wasn't
2: it? Oh yeah, one of my last days of work. That was. Um, honked it down all day (laughs) the only thing i can remember from that
0: okay ben what you know you you know when
2: you're really wet when you get in your car and you're 15 minutes into your journey home and the car's still steamed up on the inside
1: (laughs) (laughs) and and yet you're still traveling
0: yeah in scotland Yeah. yeah yeah
1: you had a really great journey back from Scotland as well. Yeah, I remember looking
2: over to my mate Ben who was driving me back and just saying, are you all right, mate? He went, I'm shitting myself. Because the car was literally being blown 10 feet in either direction.
0: Was that the evening you had to get a National Express bus in York? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Happy times. (laughs) Not a sledgehammer in sight. You didn't have blisters
1: stuff. on your hands then, no, did you? No, I'll
2: tell you what, I'd take two hours of sledgehammering over bloody a National Express coach any day.
0: It can, it can become a long-drawn-out affair. <laughs> <laughs>
3: ben, give us give us your shock. So, let, let me take you back to uh, 2015, probably 2014, actually, when the uh, World Cup tickets were uh, being allocated. And uh, I read somewhere that Brighton was going to be... Uh, a good location for games like cool town cheap tickets and you know proximity to London so there'd be a lot of fans from all the sides there and uh when I looked at the application process I saw Japan versus South Africa and I thought that ain't worth 15 quid <laughs> um go fast forward six months and um Japan turned them over um and you know no one expected that at all Japan have always been whipping boys at world cups south africa are sort of built to beat a small smaller pacey side like japan but um they just played with not only determination but a lot of uh, intelligence and they just never let the south africans get away from them and um ran in one of the most memorable memorable tries of all time in the last two minutes and it's one of the few games you'll ever see cameramen and um ball boys going absolutely berserk as the last try goes in
2: I mean to keep the same, I worked
0: on it. So, what was the weather like that day? I Useful. don't remember. I, it was, <laughs> I don't remember it, bad weather. There.
3: It was really sunny because I I went to the um, Samoa USA game the next day, and that was a that was a beautiful day as well. <laughs> Bet the game wasn't half as memorable. No, it wasn't.
0: Okay, very good. And uh, Dan, finish us off. I keep <laughs> saying finish us
4: off, and I've started <laughs> noticing. <laughs> I know what you mean. (laughs) Thank thank you. Yeah, well, I'll go go a little bit further back. Uh, World Cup 2007, I believe, which was a weird World Cup. Um, And to be honest, as an English fan, uh, I wrote the thing off after the group stage uh, in which uh, I think England got nilled by South Africa. Uh, They they had a team that was largely comprised of... uh, Uh, has-beens, players who weren't good enough before and uh, newcomers such as Sean Perry, who's that good, he plays for for the local rugby, or he did play for the local rugby club up the road. Um, So I pretty much wrote off England's chances and I thought, well, the team that will win it will be the All Blacks. And I still maintain to this day that the All Blacks in 2005, in that Lions series, are the best team I've seen. And I turned the TV on in the quarterfinals and watched them losing to France. And then I think they spent about half an hour trying to execute a drop goal to try and win the game and failed miserably and lost. And that to me is the the most extraordinary result I've ever seen uh, in the game. Uh, But then again, that was a World Cup in which England actually got to the final. And I still don't understand that. So, there you go. Still should have won it. (laughs) That Mark Mark Cueto. We've covered that, haven't we? Just a bit. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, once or twice. Excellent. That that would have been...
0: But, yes, I'm with you. (laughs) Johnny Wilkinson messed it up for a a few teams. Just the the idea that you could just win it from anywhere with a a drop goal.
4: Yeah, doesn't always work. You Um, think Dan Carter... You'd think Dan Carter would be able to ping it over, but there you go. I think it can come, become too contrived, though.
1: Yeah, he didn't have the bottle, did he, when it came down to it?
0: Okay, question two. Tiger King has has been a lockdown hit, apparently. I still haven't seen it. Um, with protagonist Exotic Joe's conspiracy theory that his rival, Carol Baskin, murdered her husband, gaining lots of new believers. Um. As with all our questions, it's a long way to get to a simple question. Which cons- sporting conspiracy theory do you believe? And
3: let's start with Ben. Uh, it's it's not a sporting cons- conspiracy at all. That bitch definitely killed her husband. Um, <laughs> so, I, well, I'd, let's look at another in my long list of sporting events that I've been to that have ended disastrously. Um, in the um, in the ever think uh, it might be you. Yeah, it could well be. Me and my friend drove from Cornwall to Nottingham to watch uh, an Ashes test. And as we drove up, Stuart Broad took eight for 15. And uh, by the time we got to the test match, there was only 45 minutes of play in the morning to to actually watch um, <laughs> cricket-wise. So um, I lost for something to do. We went and watched a um, screening of the film Death of a Gentleman. I don't know if anyone's seen it. Um, but it starts off as a sort of film about... how test cricket is sort of becoming unpopular and it kind of spirals out of control into a into a story about corruption in cricket and how the um the ecb the bcci and the and cricket australia have basically rigged the game so the three of them make all the money out of it and um i don't think there's any doubt that it is true it's not like a wild conspiracy theory but it just basically shows how out for money they are there's a lot of corruption they made the World Cup smaller, so they didn't have to share any money. Um, they're not in any hurry to spread the game around the world. They're not interested in getting into the Olympics or China picking up any kind of cricket at all. And 2020 is everything. Um, and it, it particularly stars the ever-lovely Giles Clark. Who, um, <laughs> it, I've, been, I've seen in cinemas, I've seen Hannibal Lecter, I've seen... Darth Vader on the screen and the only person I've ever seen booed in a cinema was Giles Clark
0: <laughs> I'm uh, I'm sure it could happen to Roger Goodell one day
4: yeah. um, okay uh Dan why don't you go well um I'm gonna go for a sport that I don't really follow anymore I don't really follow football uh but when I did I was a Spurs fan Um, so going back to, I think it was the uh, the 05 one to no one, mate. (laughs) There you go. Um, so the 05 06 season, I think it was Spurs found themselves with a chance of qualifying for the Champions League, uh, under Martin Yol, I think it was. Going into the last game of the season, uh, needing to—I um, mean, it's a double whammy. Actually, they needed to, to equal Arsenal's results. Obviously, local local rivals there. Uh, basically, a win against West Ham would see them qualify for the Champions League, which I don't think they'd done in their in their history because uh, uh, they did pretty crap in the nineties. Um, so, um, the night before, they stayed over at a hotel somewhere in London, decided to uh, get. Uh, stuck into the lasagna in the canteen and uh, uh, the uh, fast forward to the following morning and half the, the squad are shitting themselves and vomiting and uh, basically coming down with food poisoning and uh, they go down and lose the game and um, I, I, I still can't believe that a professional football team would just get stuck into lasagna <laughs> the 94 get probably the most important game in their history. I know this is going back probably 10 15 years. Nevertheless, you would think, would you not, that they would get the best people in just to get that sorted out one game. And yet they they get food poisoning from the So I'm not having it and I think that there was definitely something dodgy going on there.
0: <laughs> they that. should do they should do what pilots do and not have the same meal when they're flying long haul just just in case. Um but hindsight's a great thing okay uh Dougie. conspiracy theories louder, please
1: well it's not on mute <laughs> nothing
0: Yeah, Lan- landscape that microphone into uh into making some sound Unmute. You Tell you what, i'll I'll take it off mute because i'm a fucking idiot
2: aren't I? <laughs> I <laughs> you're a la-
1: mate you're a landscape you're a
2: landscaper. <laughs> You're not supposed to know this whole sort of stuff. <laughs> Shut up, you tit, and make my internet work. Um, <laughs> so, t- have you ever sometimes wondered when Wimbledon comes around, why it is that Rafa Nadal hasn't played for eight months? Or <laughs> Andy Murray has suddenly got to have open hip surgery, but then is, like completely fine to carry on playing to like eight months later. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about how many of these ATP tennis professionals have actually not actually had severe, severe injuries, but are actually massive drug
0: cheats. (laughs) I kid you
2: not. Just have a look at any... You can just type in Rafa Nadal drug cheat. I'm looking at an an interview now from TennisNet.com where it claims doping expert Fritz Sorgel, who sounds trustworthy...
0: Um, he's that Austrian guy who buried people in his cellar isn't he (laughs) yeah I think so (laughs) so he was either that or
2: the doctor that just killed everyone that came into his surgery right I I think he got hung at Nuremberg didn't he (laughs) maybe maybe, yeah Um, but anyway he suggests that Nadal should be under permanent suspicion permanent suspicion
1: (laughs) interesting take on matters just, oh, what was that uh,
0: website by the way tennis.net tennisnet.com That's that's your homepage when you load up Google Chrome I assume you're just always on there
2: I'm never off it I've had it chipped into my brain I get live updates
1: there. <laughs> there was a there was a similar conspiracy theory about Michael Jordan wasn't there that he he did something he retired but it was actually Well I a don't ch- want to piss on anyone's ban.
2: chips if if anyone it wasn't it's a drug fan.
1: It's only me but left isn't it
2: Are you are you watching the um are you, are you watching the Jordan documentary?
1: No, I'm not interested you in should, basketball.
2: Because it's very good. It is very good. Um, he he actually was... The the rumour is that he had a, a very serious gambling problem. And um, the league said to him, maybe you should just go away for a couple of seasons. Mm. Which is why you want to play baseball. <laughs> Must be nice. Suspicious gambling patterns. He, he actually went to court, if you watch the, the documentary, which I can't recommend highly enough. It is very interesting. Uh, I, I'm not sure we appreciate just how big a superstar that guy was. I mean, he was, you know, Tendulkar level in India, all over the world. Um, but he, he famously had to go to court um, because a golf hustler was uh, in court on tax fraud or, or evasion charges, and um, Michael Jordan had to explain why he'd signed a 50 grand check to him. He said that it was part of his gambling debt.
0: Bill Oddie gave him a dressing gown for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> okay um russ give us your conspiracy oh, theory.
1: whenever i go at last i always have let down because everybody else's answers are so good so my conspiracy is around the world cup final in france 98 ronaldo oh. the all-conquering goal scorer on for the golden boot brazil huge favorites even in in france in, in with the home world cup against against the french uh there's a a conspiracy that the French again a bit like dan's and, and Tottenham hotspur's lasagna there's a there's a bit of a conspiracy that the French somehow managed to infiltrate the hotel and and do something to the food um
3: It was that little rat chef, wasn't
1: it <laughs> <laughs> rather to me.
3: I've seen that documentary.
1: (laughs) Um, But he apparently was having convulsions and foaming at the mouth. And and he went to the hospital uh, after being ruled out. And yet 40 minutes before kickoff turns up at, at, at the stadium in the changing rooms and says, yep, I'm fit to play. Plays forty-five minutes of probably the worst football he's he's ever he's ever likely to have played in his life, and uh, and Brazil lost the World Cup final to to France. So yeah, there, there isn't all that meets the eye in in that whole Ronaldo and Brazil story.
4: How good was he up to that point? I mean, he Fat, Fat Ronaldo. Yeah, different incredible. class.
2: The greatest footballer other than Paul Scholes I've ever seen fat ronaldo yeah
1: one of the worst lids though surely <laughs> yeah
0: the the like no, Leonel
2: Messi, Leonel messi's early efforts can never push it push it pretty close
0: um yeah, that's that's got to be note that down for a future question Worst lids <laughs> in sport <laughs> <What's that? laughs> we've, we've got to cover that at some point okay uh next next up Russ. this question is about you um, after your confessions on another podcast last week, that you only supported the Chicago Bears, albeit briefly, because of their nice-looking logo and and kit and stuff. So, um, yeah, best stash
1: in sport. Um, and, oh, sorry. Were you coming to me first, or was it just because it was about me?
0: Uh, it was about you, but you know, if you want, if you want to go first, by by all means, just okay. Jump in.
1: So I'll go, oh, Mine's very oh, prick. <laughs> I'll go very I'll go very quickly. Um there's nothing better in sporting stash than traditional horizontal hoops. Um couple horizontal hoops with paraphernalia and socks of individual clubs that are represented within that team, which makes the barbarians rugby the best stash in sport. Honouring different clubs whilst maintaining exceptional traditions and and maintaining exceptional standards. I
0: love I love that answer. And the Pro Bowl does a similar thing in the NFL where players get to wear their their own team's helmets. But the Pro Bowl is an absolute joke. Um, So it sort of gets gets diminished. But I always like that little touch. Um, Yeah, the, the socks is so good. It's just like a little thing that you might otherwise miss. Um, but, yeah, absolutely love that. Uh, ben, best stash in sport.
3: Um So uh, I had an honourable mention here for the, uh, I almost went for it, Holland 88 football jersey. Oh,
0: oh, oh, oh you should have gone for that.
3: Um, but I've, I've kind of stuck with a little bit of an orange theme. Uh, I've gone for the Jaguaras from, uh, from Argentina, the super rugby team. Um, the first kit in particular that they they bought out was all black with um, sort of orange trim orange badge which was a a vicious animal which is always a good thing Um, so it was just an an all-round awesome kit which was made even more awesome Um, I'm I'm just just holding up a
0: a shot of my soundboard playing another advert I'd have given you some points (laughs) for this question otherwise (laughs) Thanks, um but, um but yeah, I, I literally was... am unable to give you any points, so that's just the way it goes. Sorry about that. And
3: it that. was only only available in Argentina, so you couldn't buy it, which was a,
0: a bummer. That that answer really would have got a lot of points had I been able to award them.
1: You know, I feel really? I feel a bit I feel a bit kit, guilty. Is that kit made by Canterbury or Nike?
0: Nike. Nike. There we go. Back in the game. Here, some points, Ben. Um, thanks okay. Adam that's alright <laughs> that would have been a harsh injust- injustice uh, because it obviously matters who gets points when on this
4: okay uh, Dan yeah so I, I personally I don't think Stash is, is particularly good anymore because I think it uh, it, it largely serves two purposes Firstly, uh, to sell advertising space uh, and secondly, to make players aerodynamic. But that just doesn't work uh, for, for most people. And I think the, um, uh, the, the bellwether of a, of a really, really good shirt is can a fat guy wear it at the bar with a pair of jeans and look good? So for me, I'd go back to probably mid-late 90s, Leicester Tigers, uh, green, white, red, Martin Johnson, uh, Graham Roundtree. that era, that to me was, and I'm not a Leicester fan, but that was one of the best shirts I've seen.
1: Only, only if it had a letter on the Let, back. I was going to say, on letter
4: on the back. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Rug- rugby shirts made with collars out of cotton, like thick cotton. What, what the hell was that? It, when, I, when I first started playing, if you got wet, you, you doubled your weight. <laughs> And that was, that was part of the skill
3: Russ, did you ever play in the old um cotton traders hornets ones we had
1: i did yeah the uh the, the
3: blue the, and the blue the and white quarter. they had they had letters on the back weren't all about what, the me hub, mate. <laughs>
1: i just- re- re- i just re- re- recognise the black and gold um <laughs> Yeah, but I remember those. I remember those those quarters. There was also a green, um, green and white quarters yeah. that was that was very similar. But they were real heavy, mm. heavy when they got wet. Horrible, but great at the same time. And what was what was also good is when somebody pulled you down by one of those oversized, really cutting cotton collars, which would really scrag in and around the neck. <laughs>
2: probably had to go down a couple of inches on yours though, didn't it? Before it started hurting. (laughs) Fuck
4: off,
3: mate. (laughs) I've got to
4: say, when I see the the replica kits come out and they they literally just sell the skin-tight one, I I feel sorry for people buying it. But when they sell the cotton option and the skin-tight one and you get some fat ex-prop who's gone for the the skin-tight one, I'm sorry, I don't have any sympathy. That's just ridiculous.
1: I don't understand why any normal person, like normal person, would wear like a match replica shirt. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thanks for that. Um, Dougie. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
2: (laughs) I'm going to go to the league that I think has the best stash on the whole. Really, not not just uh, any individual club. I will give you my favourite of the club but so the nhl the nhl's um over the years produced absolutely belting stash um and in particular the toronto maple leafs if you like classic design if you like tradition if you like all that kind of stuff their design of the traditional canadian maple leaf on a blue jersey um, hasn't changed apart from small tweaks to the design of the leaf but hasn't changed since the Inception of the league in... I don't know when. um, uh, Wikipedia, help me out. Uh, (laughs) 1917. Um, But the NHL as a whole, the best stash. If you want some decent stash, go and look on NHL.com. It's the best.
0: I have an an issue with the NHL with the sizing of those, though. Worse than American football. How do they cater cater for beer guts, mate?
2: How do they do that? I don't know, but it just doesn't
0: quite... the size you of
2: re- Russ, do you remember in the RAF you used to get when, when girls joined up, they used to get assigned their um <laughs> their WAV <woof laughs> ass the with, yeah. a, the with a special scores. insert piece yeah. of uh, material on the arse. Yeah. Yeah. They don't do that for beer guts on ice hockey shirts. They?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should. All right. Um quick look at the scores and which uh Largely random, Russ. You're you're trailing <laughs> thirty. Round. Well, come on, uh, thirty nine points for you, Russ. Uh, Always ben, trailing
1: at this stage.
0: Ben on fifty two, Doug forty nine. Dan, Dan, you're in the lead on fifty eight on your your debut. Um, but you know, who knows what will happen. Right, next up. If you, I don't know where this. Somebody sent this question this to this us. This was think.
1: from, yeah, this was from I uh, believe Duncan Keane, who is Keane Tiger, uh, Leicester Tigers oh, okay. fan, yeah, boom, yeah. Um, on Twitter. But uh, he sent us the, the the question, which was if we had to race around the well, world. It's your question, mate. You're the question master. Not well,
0: no, I thought you you were saving me a job for a minute, which I, I was welcoming. Um, yeah, as Russ started. If you had to do a race around the world with any sports star, who would it be and why? And Dan, kick us off.
4: OK, well, I I thought about this and it, it was quite ambiguous. It's like, what sort of race is this? Is it is it, you know, uh, on on sea, in a boat? Is it in a car? Is it a running race? But regardless, I figured out that um, it's a long it's going to take a long time. Right. To go around the world and you're going to have to go th- through some pretty unsavory Bases, um you know the middle east perhaps afghanistan maybe south america and i thought right okay i want i want the guy who i'm going to feel safest with who is the the nastiest bloke i can think of so i've gone with um gorgodza the uh blanker uh who um i i think that, like if i if i think back to to, to playing sport at school and um Probably you guys were the same. You know, you'd come back after the summer holidays, maybe around the age of eleven or twelve, and you go into the changing room, and someone's like grown two foot, and they've got a beard and bollocks, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> intimidating. Right? I think he went through that stage at the age of about five. At the age. Of <laughs> he, uh, I, I, I suspect, he looked about thirty, and he's probably about thirty now. I've no idea. But regardless, he is the scariest guy I've seen uh, in rugby. He doesn't have to try. And if I had to go around the world, I'd want to be following him. I don't think he'd need a gun, but I think he'd be very comfortable with one. And I think we'd uh, make it through. <laughs> I
0: think all sorts of interpretation of this question coming up. OK, uh, Doug. Um,
2: Matt Hall.
0: Who? <laughs> Matt Hall. Do you want me to give you more points yeah. for saying it again? No. Right.
2: Red Bull Air Race World Champion 2019. It'd be over in three days. I'd win by a mile. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's going on with this <laughs> <laughs> freaking <laughs> that, 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 that that so it? good. I've got a Fraser <laughs> bass <base> diddle. <laughs> I don't know what that was. That, that gets you four <laughs> points, whatever that sound effect was.
1: A bass diddle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. Um, there we go. I have another point. I'm back. We're, I'm back. I'm having technology issues tonight. Apologies for that. <laughs> okay, Russ, who are you going racing with?
1: I'm going racing with one of England's biggest sporting heroes over the last two years or so, more specifically over 2019. Um, I'm going racing with Ben Stokes. Now, <laughs> Ben Stokes... Showed that he could uh, dig deep when it mattered. He showed he's got grit, he's got to- determination, he's got wherewithal, he's got situational awareness. And also, he's pretty tasty, should be able to get into a bit of a scrape. So, uh, you know, I think he's uh, he's got all bases covered.
3: Yeah, hard to argue with any of that. Uh, ben? Um, well, I, I just said you saying Bolt. Just be a laugh, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, meet up with the Swedish handball team on our way through. Um, <laughs> and who wouldn't want him in their house? You can just imagine it, can't you? Oh, are you saying I'm having a barbecue? Fancy coming over? Do you mind if I bring my spikes? I'd rather you didn't. It's not that kind of area. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's no death. no has to get points in this game, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> okay, um this week, well, it's a slightly somber question, but you know here we are um this week marks or at least i think it does so i can't remember when i wrote this wrote this question um but it marks the anniversary of the death of Sevi Basteros back in twenty eleven um who else in sport was was also gone far too
3: soon um Ben, let's go back to you um so I've taken this question in the um spirit it was intended in I think Um, uh, I've gone for a gentleman called Hedley Verity uh, Yorkshire and England's spin bowler Um, he took 1,956 first class wickets at 14.9 and uh, 144 in tests at 23 Um, in an innings in an innings v. Knox in 1932 he took 10 for 10 off 19 and a half overs Um, And in the last match before World War II, he took seven for nine to bowl Sussex out for 33. Um, He was the last Englishman to take an Ashes 5-4 at at Lords until Graham Swan, which shows (laughs) how good our spin bowlers were. Um, But he um, joined the Green Howards in World War II and was killed in action in Sicily. So uh, he met a a very premature end for uh, what was someone even Donald Bradman had a lot of respect for.
0: I was so close to inadvertently pressing the five-point button at the moment you said killed in action in the war. It, didn't, it probably wasn't <laughs> it probably didn't the right sound right. effect for that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Russ, who, uh, who went far too soon?
1: Um, I, I agonised over this question because there's a few. I mean, Andres Escobar being one of them, um, killed for scoring an own goal in, in, in World Cup. USA 94, I believe, the, yeah, the Colombian yeah. defender. Um, but I actually went for uh, Australian test cap number 408, Philip Hughes, uh, who sadly passed away in a Sheffield Shield match from a uh, ball bowled by Sean Abbott. Um, he was in and out of the Australian test side, uh, showed you know, a great promise, a very, very decent cricketer. I'm not sure you know, how many more chances he would have got in, in the Australian setup. Perhaps he would have got lots and gone on to to have scored lots of test runs. Maybe stop Shane Watson opening the batting and using all of Australia's reviews um, <laughs> for, for the most of the, the, the 2000 and sort of 10s. Um, but, you know the first very high-profile cricketer to die after being hit on the head by the bouncer, um, which has led to lots of different protocols. Quite rightly, so yeah, my answer to this, Philip Hughes.
0: Um, I'm I'm not going to press that button again. I'm sorry, I did that. Um, I will give points in other ways for the rest of this question.
1: Um... <laughs> did you just give me negative points, so Philip Hughes?
0: No, 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 no. The, the the five point sound is you know celebrate or um... calling the gang, isn't it? <laughs> It does. It just isn't. It's not the right one, is it? Um, I say while laughing. Again, inappropriate. Um, so, what it's better just, place just, to go? It's
1: punching chat, Adam. It doesn't it's, matter.
0: It is exactly, um, Dougie.
2: Um, I don't know how many of you all know the story of Pat Tillman, but he was a standout. Um, I want to say middle linebacker. Was he a middle linebacker? I think so, uh, for the Arizona Sun Devils college team and then was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Um, what was
0: his draft position? Come on. Come on. Uh... I can't believe you've answered <laughs> the question without giving us his draft position. I mean, he, he was
2: he was a seventh round draft pick, so he wasn't a highly sought after player, but he turned into a, an extremely good player for the... Uh, arizona cardinals and to and he had a couple of seasons playing for the cardinals i think um and then on the on a larger scale the war in afghanistan started and the iraq war and pat tillman decided to leave the arizona cardinals um in 2002 to after the september 11th attacks to join the military and he joined the u.s army rangers He was then sent to Afghanistan and was killed in action um, while he was there. Uh, And there's been a lot of um, conjecture about how he was killed. There's a lot of uh, rumours that he was killed by friendly fire. Um, But he's one of the last people or one of the, the probably the only professional sportsman that's ever jacked in his multi-million pound sports contract to go and fight the good fight on behalf of his country and paid the paid the price and there is a very good documentary about him there's a very good book about it as well um he was a unique bloke um at his funeral um his brother was quoted saying um, make no mistake he'd want me to say this he's not with god he's fucking dead He's not religious. <laughs> Thanks for your thoughts, but he's fucking dead. <laughs> Seriously, go and um, go and check out if you have if you didn't know about it. If you don't know about Pat Tillman, just go and read it because the, the bloke was unique, and it's a unique story in the history of professional sports, in my opinion.
0: In such modern times, as well, like you, yeah. yeah ben Ben mentioned Hedley Verity killed in the Second World War. That's seventy five plus years ago, um, this is He, he, 10 he years made a ago, choice. To leave. years ago, yeah.
2: Uh, and, yeah they and were, he was they... a real rising star of american football at the
3: time mm. and he just walked away it's um yeah i think mean, even he... even a, a, a england cricket player or or footballer back back in the 30s probably wasn't on uh the kind of money that you know even a uh, sort of average nfl player's on nowadays so you know it's it's a different different choice i guess
0: you you say that but some of len hutton's you know, be, behavior i imagine you know flashing the cash in casinos you know hot girls ferraris maybe not I don't know. Baltimore, well renowned yeah <laughs> yeah um, brand new just, with just, it just give myself some points there
4: um dan who who's gone too soon so yeah i'm gonna go for malcolm marshall um and the reason for that uh when uh, so, I go back to uh, 1988 West Indies uh, tour of uh, of England, and I was at Grace Road, Leicester's ground, uh, for a, a rained-off tour match. And as an eight-year-old, uh, pretty bored, just in the stands, and I'm I'm uh, I'm just uh, kind of st- stood by the advertising hoardings, and suddenly I get whisked up by this guy, who gives me a great big bear hug and uh, pats me on the back, signs an autograph, and it's Malcolm Marshall. And uh, my dad and uh, his best mate who were with me kind of uh, stood there open-mouthed, and I said, well, what's the matter? And they said, that's the greatest fast bowler who's ever lived. This is a good guy who broke Mike Gatting's nose. He ended Andy Lloyd's test career, and he's just giving you a big hug and signed your autograph. He was a lovely uh, Probably the, the the greatest fast bowler uh, of all time and uh, very very sadly died of cancer and uh, who knows what he could have offered to a, a new generation of, uh, of bowlers particularly you know West Indian bowlers and uh, we know West Indian cricket has uh, has never really come back from the uh, the heights of the, the 70s and 80s so uh, yeah there you go
1: Have you watched that fire in Babylon thing? Fucking dials. Uh, they are some some boys. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a excellent answer. Okay, time for the platinum jiffy bag question. Match my answer for a bonus nine points. I think you know the drill. Um, nobody will match my answer because they never do, uh, but we'll do it anyway. Uh, last week, you may recall, we talked about um, sports biggest penises or peni to give it the incorrect plural. Um, so this time, let's have sport's greatest dick in terms of Dickie the name or Richard or Rick or whatever, any derivative. Um, Russ?
1: Um, well, my first answer was, was sadly uh, already taken by somebody else, so I won't go into that. Um, I don't want to give an answer that made me laugh because I don't know whether anybody else has given it. So for context, I have given uh, a guy called uh, Dick Fosbury, who you may well have known as the inventor of the way that everybody does the high jump to this day. Um, The gold medalist at the 1968 Olympics revolutionized the way that the high jump was done. Everybody was jumping over it face first and arms first and all that sort of stuff. And he decided to try and bend his back and get his head over first, and invented the the Fosbury flop, uh, never seen before, and uh, patented. Well, not necessarily to make money, but um, <laughs> away, away he went. And the and the high jump is the way it is today because of Sir a certain Dick Fosbury.
0: There we go, Dougie,
2: um, Dick Buckus, because Dick Buckus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you giving us anything else? No, nope. no. Okay. Fair enough. Uh Dan.
4: Dickie Bird. Yes. The uh because uh partly I I I'm nostalgic for the past. I see umpires as just being hat stands now. And he was just a legend. He um uh he he, he managed to convince Murph Hughes to stop sledging Graham Hick, which was which took some doing. He once, one of my favourite stories, uh, Alan Lamb walked out to bat for England and uh, Dickie Bird was stood at, at square leg. And uh, on his way to the wicket, Lamb took out a mobile phone, handed Dickie Bird, and said, just answer any calls. And uh, he, he went, took his guard, started playing. And after a couple of overs, the phone rang, Dickie Bird answered it, and he and Botham answered hey, it's both of them from the uh, change room. Can you tell Lamb just to get on with it or get out? And he passed on the message. And I just think that's... You know, those, those days have gone and it's, uh, it's for the worse. But there you go. Yeah, love that.
0: Okay. Russ, no. Russ, you've, you've gone already.
3: It was just that memorable. Ben, even. Um, so, I think, probably it's my answer Russ was going to go for because it's something that this podcast bores everyone to tears about but it was actually um, Dan's answer oh, it was, was, it? was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh well i've gone for pound for pound the best rugby player to ever play for england richard hill um 71 caps for england five for the lions um pretty much the perfect all-round back row player just read the game better than anyone he was just always there where Not he a needed dick, to be
1: though,
3: was he? no he very much wasn't a dick Um, (laughs) Um, um, 2001 Lions were playing rugby from another planet they were absolutely pummeling Australia for a match and a half and as soon as he left the pitch for the rest of the series they got their asses handed to them and inverse 2003 World Cup England were really stuttering through that tournament till Hill came back to the semi-final and they never looked back and um, Serge Betson who knew a thing or two about back row play he uh he said about hill he comes from the shadows from the darkness and that's that's just i think every flanker would want to be remembered like that can i just
1: add in one thing the the comedy answer for this was nascar driver from wisconsin dick trickle (laughs) (laughs) which i wanted to give you can (laughs) I i wanted to use dick trickle so hard
0: i bet you did um surprisingly yet again nobody came out with the platinum jiffy bag answer um if anyone can shout it out in the next three seconds they'll get nine points no no richie benno i can't believe that nobody thought of richie benno well but there we are too
1: too, too literally down the dick route
0: well the, the question made it clear that anyway yeah that's Neither here nor there. You didn't get any points. Okay, next up uh, might be some of your fantasies, I don't know, but you all get to be the queen, briefly. Um, Rather than hang out with the Corgis, you get to award a knighthood or a damehood to someone in the sporting world who doesn't have one. So who are you going to choose? Dougie?
2: Um, Absolutely no one, because people being made into knights who were people that used to wear suits of armour and cut people's heads off in war it's a nonsense
0: <laughs> never ever ever change
2: uh, Paul Collingwood is a knight because he played eight overs in an Ashes match he's
1: not a knight man
0: he? He <laughs> a knight. it's an <laughs> MBE <laughs> Same thing. For, his for his 17 runs push. at the oval yeah uh, <laughs> okay um Hopefully, at least one of you is going to give me an actual person. So, um, Dan, who have you got?
4: I, I will give you a person. Although, um, I should just add, my first answer was stolen by Ben in the last round. An absolute massive love for Richard Hill. But there we go. Um, so, I'm going to go for uh, Robin Smith, uh, the ex-England batsman. He was my hero growing up. Absolute hero at a time when England were terrible. Um, they were worse than terrible, in fact. And uh, again, going on about the West Indies, he used to stand there without a grill on his helmet, and you know, square cut Patrick Patterson off the front foot for six, which was insane. And I just thought he was incredible. He England got rid of him far too quickly. Um, but then he disappeared off the scene and uh, about a year or two ago, I can't remember w- whether it was uh, a year or two. I-, I saw his book. He released an autobiography. I don't know whether you you chaps have uh, have read that, but it's absolutely incredible. It's one of the best uh, sporting autobiographies I've ever read. He um, he finished cricket. He moved over to Australia, tried to start a business over there. Um, became an alcoholic tried to take his own life it's pretty bleak but came back from the whole thing and has told this story it's absolutely incredible you get the the first uh, part of the book is is all his uh, England career behind the scenes the second half of it is his his personal uh, demons tackling those and it's amazing and I've got massive respect for him so I would definitely knight him
1: I just remember, all I can remember about Robin Smith is just him batting against the West Indies and Robin Smith's cut shot and the pull shot. Robin Smith on the cut and the pull with a faceless helmet, just standing there, just going and just flaying it square of the wicket.
4: And mm. On the front foot as well. You watch, you watch it. Normally, a, a pull or a cut shot is on the back foot because you're waiting for the ball to come off the pitch. He used to attack it on the. I've never seen another player do that. Honestly, it's incredible.
0: I can, I can recall him hitting a square cut for six in a in a test match, and but he, what was it? His undoing was. A, I, I may may be wrong about exactly when his career ended, but the, his problem was he couldn't play spin. Spin, yeah. yeah. Shame, shame Shane Shane absolutely yeah.
4: pulverised him. He went he went hard at the ball, very heavy hands. But then again, you know, I, I'm kind of of the view that you look at players' strengths, you look at what they can give you rather than what they, uh, you know, what their weaknesses are. And I, I I think he could have gone on, but in any case, he was amazing to watch against that pace attack.
2: Yeah, he buddy. also played against a couple of really some of the best spinners of all time. Yeah, Arnold Cumbe, yeah. Shane Warren. Mushtak. No. yeah, Mushtagi. I mean, it's fair to not be good at against spin if they're the spin bowlers you're playing against.
4: Yeah, that's a great, he probably. That's a great he probably point
2: if he, he if wasn't playing now. Nathan Lyon, was he?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, he. I think. I think things would have been different now, actually. Uh,
4: particularly on the, the mental side, there'd have been a lot more, a lot more support for someone like that. Well, it's, I, I say it's, it's an absolute, I really recommend his book. It's an eye-opener. I mean, he talks about that mental side back in the, the probably the late 80s, early 90s, when you've got the likes of Botham and Gower retiring from the game. Some of the newcomers, you know, Graham Hick being one, and the way that they were supported and treated. And when, and when you fast forward to the present day and some of the support, uh, and the the you know the the management that they get now it's it's, it's unbelievable to uh, to get a, a look into to how they were managed and probably no wonder they were as bad as they were.
0: <laughs> yeah, love that answer a lot, uh, Ben. Who's
3: who's your knighthood or damehood going to? Well, very much like Doug, I came at the uh, question from the sort of medieval point of view, in that <laughs> knights back then were usually. Um, horrible aggressive slightly ugly men who um more often than not killed a lot of scots or french people and i thought the the man that probably most fitted that profile was martin johnson (laughs) yeah
0: lovely lovely stuff and russ i'm not going to say finish us off it's on the tip (laughs) of my tongue every single question of course it is no doubt
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) just on the tip of somebody else's tongue Um, I am going to go for one of Britain's or one of Britain's only uh, undefeated heavyweight boxers uh, with a record of one and oh, he also played a few test matches for England and that is uh, Sir Andrew Flintoff. Um, He didn't have the best test record. He didn't even have the best ODI record. I mean, when you look back at some of his stats, he scored... 380, three hundred and eighty, three thousand eight hundred and forty-five 3845 runs at 31 in 79 tests he it's only when, took when he did
0: it though it's he when only
1: when he, he only took three test match innings fifers with the best one of well arguably the best and the most important one of those being at lords in 2009 uh flat, when, he was, when he was flat deck when, when he was
0: flat deck when nobody else was getting anywhere
1: when he was literally breaking down, he he revert he he got some reverse and he bowled. I think he bowled. I can't remember who it was, but he bowled comprehensively two of the Australian batters in in fairly quick succession. Um, but he will always be remembered for those those spells that were unplayable. The spell to Pontin, which led to his wicket in 2005. Uh, there's a spell that I've seen where he hit Jack Callis on the toe after just peppering him repeatedly. Yeah. Um, and he always managed to do it when it mattered. And even when he was right at the very end of what his is considerable frame could, could do for him in 2005, he ran out Ricky Ponting at the Oval And it was kind of his last piece when they, when they were almost batting to save the match Hussey and Ponting were, were scoring runs of fun. It was looking, you know, not like they were going to get back into it because they were chasing 500 on in the fourth innings, but like they could bat out that fifth day. And from mid and from mid off, he Hussey, sorry, from mid on Hussey went for a quick single uh, nudged it into seeing it was Flintoff moving slowly, and he threw down the stumps at the keeper's end, running out Ponting, and just stood there with his arms outstretched, knowing that you know it'll probably be his last fury in uh, in Test cricket because he wasn't able to to bowl anymore in that in that uh, in that Test match. Obviously, Broad took took a five for in that innings as well, but he uh, uh, Andrew Flintoff is just. He's the, he's the type of sportsman at that time that everybody thought they potentially could be. He was like the, the real man's sportsman, if that made sense, from that 2005, 2009 era.
0: I was there that day in 2009 and the roar at the Oval at that moment and the stumps were thrown down. The third umpire's decision came, but you, you knew what was coming. It was just like his his body was breaking down, but... He just still wanted a part of what
3: was happening. Adam, can I come to sport with you in future? Because you seem to have more luck than I do. I have a lot
0: of luck. I've seen a Crucible 147 <laughs> from the third row. I don't. I, I. have no deserving reason to be at these, these moments. But, yeah, I've had a lot of luck. Also, you can probably tell that the way to get points is to give cricket answers or Partridge references. Um...
2: <laughs> Ross, do you remember being a... I don't know if you were there, but me... Were you a Bentley? You weren't there for the 2005 Ashes, were
1: you? No, I wasn't. No, I'd gone back.
2: No. Me and Matt Jaycock were on guard together and I was looking at Ashes tickets online in the guardhouse. And we could have got a fifth day Ashes ticket for a tenner. But Matt said it's, it will never go that far.
1: It's incredible,
2: isn't
3: it? Uh-huh. Yeah. My, my mate lived round the corner from Baston, so he got in for that the last morning in 2005 for free. Um, uh-huh. When. When Vaughan is celebrating the last wicket, you can see my mate Paul in the background.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, but that that day could have been two deliveries. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, great times. Um, Obviously, if you didn't know, it's that test is being replayed as as live effectively over the next few days on Sky and and on TMS at the same time. Um, So, yeah, the next sunny weekend ahead, you know what to do. Right, a quick look at the scores. Dan, you're still way in the lead, 133, Ben 109, Doug 103, Russ on 116. So, a personal question now, and Dan, you can start with this. When or what was the moment that you realised you wouldn't make it as a professional sportsman?
4: Oh, this this was a very painful one, I've got to say, to, to look I, I think, uh, probably going back to around about 1992, uh, I was, I, I was, I was okay at rugby, but I was, I was cricket was really my, uh, my sport. And I was convinced I was going to be, uh, not only a, a test player for England, but probably one of the greats, to be honest. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm serious. And, uh, uh rgs uh which is my school got to play kings so this is this is a kind of local worcester derby in the county final at new road which is worcester's worcester's ground and i got dropped for the final um and what made it worse was i was picked as 12th man and uh i was trying to think actually i think it was either Someone like David Duffield or Poor Beard. These names won't mean anything to anybody, but they, they are still very much at the front of my mind. Uh, and they, they, got, uh, they picked me to, to the final slot, and I've never forgiven them. And what made it worse, I had to actually go on and field as 12th man for about two overs when someone decided to walk off and get a drink or something or other. And um, quite honestly, if it had been today... I think I would have probably started a Facebook group, um, Justice for Dan. Um, but it's OK. I've let it go. It doesn't bother me anymore. And um, but anyway, in any case, I kind of figured that maybe test cricket wasn't going to be for me. And uh, I, I was going to have to get a job with the plebs, uh, which is what I've done. If, um,
3: if Dan ever gets hold of an Apache helicopter, those two lads are in trouble, aren't they? <laughs>
0: There's going to be so much bitterness in these answers. All right, Ben,
3: who's... That, what was you your bastards. Your moment? <laughs> <laughs> Who were they? Just a mate. <laughs> <laughs> they're not mates. So, I'm pretty sure you all assumed this was going to be Nuki Hornets, and you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> in under-12s, We had a pretty good team Um, and um, under 13s is the first level where um, you play on a full pitch with a full team. And uh, it also, uh, that summer between under 12s and under 13s seemed to be the summer where every single side in Cornwall except Nuki Hornets had a fairly serious growth spurt. Um, So the first game was down at Penryn and uh, it was a fairly close game. The ball came to me. I was playing at ten and I threw a pass to my inside centre, and the opposition fly-half, Tom Voice, if you remember him, played for Bath and England and Wasps. Not only did he read it before I threw it, but he was roughly five times faster than me, and he just took the ball under the posts. Um, So for the rest of the game, I couldn't pass because he was stood in my pocket. Um, But of course, this was the first game I'd ever played that had flankers in it. So every time I tucked back inside... I got my ass handed to me that way as well. And um, I think from that time, it was probably um, fairly obvious that uh, Cornish rugby was as far as I was going. Oh, dear.
0: Uh, we need some violence for this question, don't we? <laughs>
3: Russ?
1: Um, I grew up having dreams of being uh, a, a professional footballer as my most... <laughs> As most youngsters <laughs> did throughout the uh the eighties and early nineties. Um and at one point I got to a point where I was I was training with a uh Plumify guy or youth academy type thing. And who remembers the old school hockey pictures that you got at school? The old red gras type affair with the loose chip-ins and it was like um like a, yeah, I know what you a, mean. Quite Like a white a, a creamish concrete type affair just with clay covered in gravel. Clay, yeah. ba- clay covered in gravel. That's that's yeah. basically it. So, and we were we used to train twice, uh, once or twice a week. I can't remember. And I was training there, and I remember attempting as a, as a young, gangly centre half. I was uh, before I obviously grew into my skills. Um, I was attempting a Cruyff turn. On, <laughs> of course on, you were. On, on red,
2: on red, bra, on the least red, on this graceful thing you could ever watch. <laughs> um,
1: just
0: tried to imagine you attempting a Cruyff turn, yeah, you know, like I'm watching a it. super
3: tanker turn.
1: <laughs> I've, since, I've, since, I've since become quite adept at the old Cruyff turns for a big lad, but what I will say is, I when I attempted said Cruyff turn, my standing foot decided to not purchase on the ground but slip on the gravel. And I like basically, Lisa
2: Riley picked soap up from between
1: the legs. <laughs> um, and I, in a well, uh, I I gave the the concrete floor the people's elbow, resulting in a <laughs> resulting resulting in a broken elbow, oh. and uh, yeah, that was the end of my my sort of. Career as such, it it, Plymouth Argyle, and it wasn't even like a proper Plymouth Argyle trial. It was like one of these little shitty satellite centre things. If
3: Um, Attenborough had filmed that, he'd have got a BAFTA. (laughs) But I had a
1: proper, proper broken elbow, so I was in a cast from shoulder to wrist for um, just just up until the point of my GCSEs, which was nice.
2: You won the you won the lottery though, Russ, because you got to play with me.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> and if and everybody knows the story of what happened when i played football with you yeah they do that
0: yeah. <laughs> uh dougie give us your give us your story
1: um so it's
2: it's uh summer of 1998 um my me and my good mate uh lawrence lawrence brown from from sorbidgeworth uh sat in his place eating is, is a, he a, is he the Curry. lawrence
0: that had the long hair that played for
2: yeah gonch Yeah, yeah, I think... Yep. 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 Sat eating a curry from the Star of India in Sorbidgeworth. Michael Owen goes on an amazing run. Long ball through, controls it with the outside of his boot. Dummies past one, slots it into the top corner of the net.
0: I watched that Uh, game in Sorbidgeworth, fun fact.
2: Did you really? How funny. Um, Slots it into the top corner of the net. I take a bite of my chicken Danzac and a little bit of... (laughs) (laughs) bit of gnar bread turn to lawrence and say he's six years younger than me uh, six months younger than me
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that'll do it it. all
2: over from that moment
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay right any other business time and dark actually you're trailing despite that answer um so you can go first
2: yeah uh, right so i've got quite into um you know youtube at the moment because i've completed netflix i've completed (laughs) um, i've completed amazon prime i've completed disney plus including cinderella 3 um so i've been watching youtube and because you know that that updates pretty much daily so it's hard to complete um (laughs) i've watched a lot of videos but i tell you what if i see another simply piano advert I'm going to flip every table between here and YouTube headquarters before I burn it down. I don't care if you've got an app that lets you learn how to play the piano in four weeks. Jam it up your jacksie. I don't care. I have no interest in it. Why are you force feeding these things down my throat? The other advert I never want to see again is the fucking disgusting one of the bloke having a massive chunk of earwax pulled out of his ear on every single website I go to. Please stop it with this. I don't even know how they might think that I want my ears waxing or that not even waxing removed, the wax removed or that I might be interested in piano. Hopefully YouTube, my phone is sat right there. Hopefully they're listening. You YouTube fuckers. Listen, stop showing me those adverts.
0: Next. There you go. Give Doug a call on
3: 079384. Yeah. Ben, any other business? Yeah. um, I don't know if I'm within any chance of getting into the final, but I'm just about to talk my way out of it. Um, So last week you went in really hard on uh, probably my favourite cricketer of all time and everyone joined in. Um, So I'm going to speak up for KP a little bit here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if I can get down to zero points. Um, Just really enjoyed watching him play and, and... to be fair to him, I think in his book, the only one he's really got problems with is uh prior. He doesn't really seem to have a lot of problems with um anyone else. I'm gonna just in case now. you've
0: forgotten, there's there's a minus one and a minus three sound. Yeah. Just okay
3: Um one thing I would say though is um I think really his main problem was people like Giles Clark. Um and I think one thing I would wa- would watch is um I, I what, what happened to Peterson, I think, could happen to Ben Stokes because he's got tattoos. He's a bit foreign. He's a bit rough, a bit controversial. And I think once he stops making the money, I think the suits at the ECB might chuck him under the bus as well. I'm
1: not entirely sure that Ben Stokes is an utter cunt.
0: <laughs> yeah. How about ben, that? Ben, I, I don't think I did this, did enough of these. <laughs> um,
2: you're on 112 In that team, points. Mate, he can only ever be second most biggest cunt. <laughs> Stuart uh, While
3: Stuart was there, there's only one winner of that particular. <laughs> <team>. <laughs> they, they all seem to have made up a little bit now, don't they? From stuff I've seen on social oh, media. Well, and only
0: because they've got to appear together commentating. So they've got to pretend <laughs> they like each other. Oh dear! Right, um, you really didn't want to win today, um, Russ, Russ. I just does, thought though. you're all
3: a bit unfair. I, I, I don't, don't even remember
0: really, really laying into him, but I, <laughs> it's,
1: it's I, I would have I, done. I, I did. I, I went in hard, both feet. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about a little bit about the media, but it's more about the media perception. Um, who's heard the story this week about uh, Professor Neil Ferguson, who was the guy that advised? The government to take us into lockdown. Um, oh, yeah. he has now been described or has been nicknamed uh, what from what was Professor Lockdown to the Bonking Boffin, <laughs> um, standard tabloid, standard tabloid. <laughs> that
0: headline.
1: is incredible. Who's <laughs> decided that during lockdown and advising us to all stay at home that he would continue relations with his mistress, um who is Antonius Statz, who is married with two children, incidentally. So there's no, you know, there's nothing funny involved in this. But um, I thought the bonking boffin was quite funny. And, uh, you know, what, what frustrates me the most is, is the media completely round on, well, if he's doing it, why should we all do it? Well, the reason he advised us all to do it was because of science not because he wanted to go and get his end away with somebody else's wife. That's completely irrelevant in the advice he was given regarding lockdown. But people that are calling that into question because of his actions are moronic. And just it, it just sums the, the media up in general, really. Tweet Can of
3: I the just... week. Sorry, go on, Doug. No, you go. You go. Um, I saw a I thought it was a tweet of the week as someone, uh, I can't remember who it was tweeted. Um, Captain Tom should immediately execute the sex professor on live TV to boost the nation's <laughs> spirits. I, I had
2: uh, another tweet of the week and just, just to square the circle and make it about sport. Don't know if you're aware of a, uh, a, safety in the nfl called earl thomas oh <laughs> yes <laughs> yes you've yes.
1: you seen the tweet <laughs> that from melbourne ingram? Uh,
2: mark, ingram mark ingram Yeah, so earl thomas basically got caught um rattling some broad with his brother and his wife found out and i think she walked in on them did she or found yeah, a video of them doing it with
3: two of her mates yeah
2: yeah um and basically old thomas has said uh put out a tweet saying look i understand it's a bit of a good story but if you could give my family some time to sort of process all this and uh and get on with our life but but, and and one of his teammates has tweeted fuck no you've been (laughs) shagging birds with your brother And now there's guns involved. You need to tell us what the fuck went on. (laughs) The
3: the wife thought she'd taken the magazine out of the gun. So she thought it was empty. And she was holding it to his head with the safety off. There was still a bullet in the chamber. (laughs) (laughs) So it's all on the video. Because they videoed it as well. And the police were like, I beat you bang to rights, love.
2: (laughs) I mean, there there is nothing like the NFL. A ludicrous stories, is there
0: <laughs> that little uh, little chat about Earl Thomas might have just have got you in the final for what it's worth. I I also saw I saw it's one of those moments where you see the meme before the story and you don't know what the meme's about, but the meme I saw was Derek Henry chasing him with clearly Earl Thomas's wife's head superimposed onto his <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm uh yeah instantly working out what that's all about and it didn't disappoint okay dan
4: any other business well i'm not sure i can top any of that to be honest <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah i i guess the only thing I'll, I'll say um a bit of a plug i suppose i i started a series on youtube talking about youtube last year uh on the history of english cricket hence some of my answers um and you'll find it if you search for, for Gods and flanneled Fools. So uh, it keeps me entertained. Uh, I think I've done about 12 or 13 episodes now, got through to the 80s. So, uh, yeah, it's keeping my mind off uh, the media and uh, the bonking boffin and the shagging scientist <laughs> and P.S. Morgan and whoever else for that matter. So uh, there you go. Check it out.
1: We'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll drop a link out to that as well. Dan, if you uh, if you fire it over, we'll we'll make sure we we share that as far and wide. I, I think most of our listeners, or well, a lot of our listeners, like cricket, although they don't always listen to uh, to the long leg either. But well, we go. don't
0: record the long leg, do we? For, for many weeks and, and months, and there
4: is no cricket. So, well, there's no hundred, which is that doesn't. Be. <laughs>
1: That's not yeah. cricket.
0: That the, the cancelling of the hundred hasn't changed the amount of cricket there's going to be in in
1: 2020.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Too much, yeah. All right, some some scores. Ben, you're, you're strangely you're way behind on 114. <laughs> um, I'm surprised I've got that many to be honest. <laughs> it was just yeah, but I'd have been there for so long with yeah. They're, they're, I can only take three points off at a time. Uh, with uh, I'm seeing the, the yeah the Derek Henry meme. yeah so yeah you're not in the final neither is russ on 150 but doug on 153 and dan on 156 are are going to play defend the undefendable so doug as second place you can pick whether to go first or second
2: uh first
0: okay right (laughs) first I'm so tempted to give you another Saracens one, but it's just too predictable. I'm not going to. Uh, For safety in sport going forward, regular injections of disinfectant should be included in the training regimes of all top sports stars.
2: I mean, it's completely, completely... um... Understandable that that should happen, and not only should they be given injections, but they should be given a uh, anal injections, right? should, <laughs> rectal suppositories specifically, specifically for football players. Just uh, you know, to give them a little bit of a, a probing. Uh, you know, um, I, if,
0: in in rugby, with, time is oh. up. Time is up. You you've you got in anal injections and probing. It's going to be hard to beat. <laughs> okay. Dan, um, all VE Day celebrations should be cancelled because the Premier League couldn't get a restart organised before the Germans could.
4: (laughs) Well, um, exactly. I mean, uh, what's more important than the 75th anniversary of the end of the the truly global war is uh, the well-being of uh, premiership footballers. Uh, And if you look at the actual... Uh, amount that they've lost uh in terms of actual pound sterling it's way more than than anybody else people talk about keywords your
0: time so is up i'm afraid uh, 22 seconds goes very quickly um but you were never gonna beat doug i'm sorry <laughs>
3: you, you should have gone with probing really <laughs> that's true
0: you should have just got
2: the uh, the words anus anal <laughs> probing relapse prolapse
0: all of that just get I all in
4: anticipated those words were on the table <laughs> well so
0: that's that's how to win a punching chat so well well done well done mr andrews
2: thank you um i'd just like to take this opportunity to thank everyone that sent me uh, um good luck and congratulations messages about my little employment thing um it's nice to know that people are interested. So thank you. Look
1: at that—a little bit of sentiment at the end of Punching chat as well. <laughs> That's always nice, and it just to take it back to serious, serious at the end. Um, Adam, just, hold on, hold
0: well, on one second, Doug. Those just that, for that didn't, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: heck, yeah. but, but for all the well wishers, can get fucked because he cannot wait to get back behind the camera.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, um...
2: And start, and
0: as, soon, as soon as you're done, you're going to be like that guy from the Inbetweeners, getting a golf club to people's flowers in their gardens, aren't you? <laughs> <You're> not wrong. <laughs> um,
2: just um, Shangy, as Ben calls him, um, said you'll you'll never go back. And I I I was going to tweet, you want a fucking bet? <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> you might not have any choice, Sunshine. Yeah. Um,
1: it's yeah, all no, all sport going to no, be filmed pageants?
2: Um, much appreciated
1: nice one um adam thank you once again for your hosting skills on punching chat uh more than likely we'll be back next week hopefully um the handsome vet might be back and one of us will miss out and we'll have another special guest uh dan i hope you enjoyed thank you for joining us thank you thanks for supporting thanks for your um input it's been fantastic i hope you enjoyed it
4: thanks for having me appreciate it yeah
2: I'm immediately gonna go upstairs and start watching that your YouTube channel. No jokes.
1: Yeah, give it another plug, mate. <laughs> yeah, what is it?
4: Fuddle. So if you search for Gods and Flanneled Fools on YouTube, but I'll I'll send you the link.
1: Send us awesome. the link and we'll and we'll tweet it out. That's Gods and Flanneled Fools on Twitter. Um, no, on YouTube, not on Twitter.
4: YouTube. Yeah.
1: And uh and we'll get that without get that publicised. Ben We'll see you next week, perhaps. And uh, yeah, this was Punch and Chat and we'll catch up with you soon. Go well.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: 18 plus.